let me catch you guys up with what we've been doing here at Evergreen. We've been going through a series for about eight weeks or so on spiritual warfare. And so if you are aware or not aware, we are in a spiritual battle here on earth. And um, we have to be aware of it. It doesn't mean that we are in fear. It means we are those who live with the victory of the cross, what Jesus paid for from his death and resurrection power. And we get to be sons and daughters that know how to appropriate the power of God into our lives. And so we've been going after that, different ways to engage with the finished works of the cross to live a life of victory. And when something comes your way, you know what to do about it. When something comes the way of your friends or your family, you know what to do about it. When something comes into your atmosphere at your work or where you're doing media or whatever, whatever it is, you know how to shift the atmosphere and not just be the, thermo- the thermometer, you are the thermostat in your lives. And so we've been learning about authority. We've been learning about the, the Ephesians 6 armor. We've been learning about communion and worship as different ways to engage in warfare. And so I love watching you guys learn it, be equipped. I heard uh, Joshua Smith was telling me that every morning he's been waking up, the first thing he does in the morning is take communion. He's got a bowl next to his bed. It's a great idea. Just dedicating, dedicating your life that day to the Lord. And um, it's just awesome to see the different ways that you guys are engaging. And so hopefully all these mics are ready to go. And um, I would love to just start off and please introduce yourself. We'll start with you, Joshua. Introduce yourself, um, what you do, what you do in ministry, and what you are passionate about in ministry. Hi, my name is Joshua Willis, and I'm a Civil War reenactor. That's why the beard looks like it does. Um, But I'm trying to uh, make movies and love Jesus. And uh, yeah, I'm very passionate about uh, uh, truth. And I'm passionate about the gospel being expressed through the arts. And uh, yeah, and speaking, yeah, shining light in the darkness, which is what cinema is. So, yeah. Test check. Can you hear me? Okay, good. Um, I'm Michelle, and um, I love Jesus. And uh, I would say that um, my passion is to see the kingdom manifest on earth as it is in heaven and just see everyone walking fully in their destiny of what God created them to be. My name is Bill, check, check, there we go. My name is Bill Klikas. Um, I'm in business, one foot in business, one foot in in ministry. Um, My wife and I uh, are in West Hollywood and we opened our home to a ministry group there. And our, our passion really is, I would say, for the prophetic, but more so um, with the prophetic being the testimony of who Jesus is, uh, I can say that our passion is to uh, direct people to the love of God our Father, enabling, hopefully, uh, those who come into contact with to know who he is as Abba Father, our Dad in heaven. Absolutely. Absolutely. Check, check. Can you hear me? Is it coming through? It feels quiet. All right. I'll be confident, though. It feels quiet. All right. There we are. There we are. There we are. Um, all right. Well, we want to kick off just a little discussion. This is a live podcast kind of vibe this morning. So we're going to be bouncing things around, volleying, bumps at spiking. It's going to be a good time. And, and so... In this topic of spiritual warfare, one thing that maybe isn't as clear to individuals is 
There's a lot of things that can be under this umbrella of spiritual warfare. But how would you guys define a spiritual attack? What does a spiritual attack usually kind of look like, either in your life or the lives around you? And um, how would you go about defining that? Let's start off with you, Joshua. Okay. Uh, well, I, you know, my wife, Kimberly, who I'm very proud of, so I'm going to talk about it. Uh, you know, we, I find, I, when you asked that, I was kind of felt like looking at what's been going on with us lately, I saw at least three, and I think, so first off, I'll make this brief, I feel like when we talk about these things, we live in such a, a, a physicalist paradigm, a scientific paradigm where everything has to be quantified, otherwise it's not true. Uh, and then otherwise, if it's a quality, it goes into the postmodern camp where it's whatever your truth is. And so I just, as I'm about to talk, I just want to say very clearly that I'm going to be using words that describe things. And I, but I think there are things that actually exist, and I think there are words that are absolutely true, and I think they are absolutely connected, just as the body, spirit, and uh, soul are. They're, they're, you know, and so... When I say this, I just hope it's clear that I think what I'm talking about actually exists, but I'm going to be using words to describe and get as close to it as I can. And I hope my words are true. But I think that the spirit, when Paul talks about spirit, very most often he's meaning what we would say is mind today. So that was the first thing I thought about is what Kim and I, because we've been, you know, we'll have fights where it's things we're believing, things we're valuing, and, and we're not... It's in, and in things that are, you know, or will be afraid because of things we're believing and things that are happening. So it's a, there is a spirit, a mind aspect of it, but there's also the spiritual entities, right, that do come against us, and, and they do come in many forms, sometimes actually appearing in bedrooms. So that's another, you know, and scaring you in the night, or coming in your dreams, you know, and they, they actually exist, even though you're, they're in your mind. And then also, I think circumstantially, both, I, both uh, natural disasters sometimes, I think the enemy comes, and I think that's why Jesus rebuked the storm. Uh, I think that that was not sent by God, because he doesn't contradict the Father. So, also, I think that sometimes our brothers and sisters, but also those who don't believe, are used by the devil. And they, whether aware or unaware, whether witchcraft or just ignorance. And so we are put in circumstances in our lives that are spiritual warfare against the assignment of bringing the kingdom of God. So those would be at least three categories. That's awesome. I, I agree with everything that Josh said. And I think also um, part, of the, part of a spiritual track is to get attack, is to get us off track and out of where, where we're supposed to be, where God has called us to be. So, and it's also to separate us from God. I think a lot of the de devil wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And so for him, nothing is more powerful than to separate us from God. And Sarah read the scripture this morning that nothing can separate us from his love. But the deceiver is constantly trying to separate us. You can go all the way back to the Garden of Eden and how he deceived Eve. And he was separating her from the truth of what the Lord, and perverted the truth from what the Lord. And so with spiritual attacks, we're also, it's kind of like an onslaught or just you're bombarded um, from nowhere. Um, 
things just seem out of kilter. Um, you don't quite understand what's happening. And, it's a, and a lot of it is in your mind. It's also in, in physical things that can happen. Like Josh said, natural disasters, cars being stolen, cars always breaking down. There's a lot of things that can go on with that. But I think ultimately it's to salt, separate us from God, to move us further away from our faith. And there's an old term that they used to use called shipwreck your faith. In essence, destroy your faith, to uh, ruin your faith, to, move, not, to, to make you not believe in what God is saying or what you've been told is the truth of God and God's word. That's great. And if I could add to it, I think sometimes spiritual attacks aren't always so blatant. You know, the enemy's a liar and a deceiver. So sometimes he doesn't want you to know how blatant the attack is. So you might just be feeling discouraged. You might have a slight depression. There might be a fog around your thinking. You might be disengaged from being able to enter into worship or the word. Um, you might feel like distancing yourself from community. There's all sorts of ways that this kind of spiritual attack can manifest in your life in addition to what she's saying as well. Anything you wanna add, Bill? Um, well, when I agree, I, I think that much of the warfare we experience is more subtle than direct um, because the enemy uh, disguises himself as an angel of light. And oftentimes what we receive as what we know is, is the time that we're in is a time of deception. Um, that deception is greater now and it's going to increase. The, the word says so much so that even if it were possible, even the very elect could be pulled away. And so if you think about that, some of the things that are, are right and wrong good and evil to us, um, as obvious as they are, the, the, there's a, a, a population that's as great, if not greater than 50% of the, of the world, of the United States, that are saying, you're wrong. Now, this is good. This is not evil. Okay, so uh, for me, warfare, um, spiritual warfare uh, can be defined, 2 Corinthians 10, weapons of our warfare aren't carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Carnal is your mind. So with what Josh had to say, agree 100%. There's so much that goes on in our minds, um, uh, specifically attributed to trauma. And I think trauma is a big area that God is, um, is shining his light on right now with a promise to heal, restore, renew, and revive every broken, wounded, traumatized, afflicted area of your hearts, your souls, your minds, and your bodies. Okay? I, why? Because if he has, if the enemy has violated and created a breach that he can come in and exploit and wage war against the saints, war against you, then he's done everything that, that Michelle, that Josh and Tommy said. He's not just deterring you from advancing, but he is distracting you from God. And if he can distract you from love, and the love that God has for you, then he knows that he has that upper hand. As soon as you question just how great God's love is, right, he'll, he'll get the upper hand. So that's individual. And, and on the relative to the mind, carnal, I do believe absolutely what relative to warfare, we are resisted by outside forces. If you read the story of Paul, when he made the decision the plea to go to, to Rome, when it uses the word, the winds that came against him, when they were sailing, that word winds is spirits. Okay, so he was advancing to where Jesus said, you're gonna go to Rome. Jesus told him, you're going to Rome. Well, the winds came against him. So 
if they came against Paul, if they came against Jesus, they're going to come against us. And the good news is, if you're feeling that resistance, you're going the right direction. It's very good. Very good. So I think you guys gave a great uh, kind of overview of what that is, uh, encapsulating that. So one of the first steps is to recognize an attack, right? That's one of the best things you can do right off the bat. You're like, is this, is this maybe, a t-? this is an attack. Okay, so if you're recognizing that there's an attack against you, what, this is very generalized, of course, but what do you then what do, you then do about it? What, what is the reaction? What is the, the way that you respond as you then um, attach to, to God's heart and listen in? Well, uh... I, it really, it's, it's a, a multi-pronged uh, defense. Uh, I, so I go with remembering, firstly, who he is and who I am. So uh, when things are, it's very clear. Like, if I don't have peace, if I'm having anger, if I'm if behaving in any way that doesn't, doesn't seem like, and it, this, is, this is, comes from the closer you try to walk with the Lord, not that I'm perfect at all, but the more you are in the word, the more you are constantly thinking about how you have been forgiven of all of your sins. And you're really thinking, God, forgive those who have sinned against me as I have been forgiven. It just, you start to know, why do I feel these feelings that don't, this is not how I feel with Jesus. This is not, so that is, so that helps me to know. And then I go, okay, well, I'm, I have to get back to the cross. I have to get back to the empty tomb. I have to realize I'm right now seated in heavenly places. And what I'm looking at, I need, I go, uh, first off, I should expect an attack. He told me there'd be trouble. So that's also like, isn't that, that makes it not be like, because I think a lot of us go, well, the minute I'm walking with Jesus, then I won't have any more problems. (laughs) You, I promise you that is never going to happen. So just expect, you're going to have trouble. He's promised it, but take hope for he's overcome the world that the trouble is in. So anyway, that's where I go. I, so I go where I need to take heart. I need to have hope. And so I go there and I just start. And then I remember the promises he's not only corporately spoken, but personally spoken. What has he said he's going to do? Because he built those, those prophecies as shelters for the storms that would come. So get inside them and wait for the storm to pass. Yeah, I, I agree again. Um, but for me personally, I think what happens is, for me, I immediately go to the Word. Once I like have that V8 moment, you know, like, uh, I, um, okay. <laughs> you know, like last night, this morning, I was telling my sister, you know, we're doing this. And last night, I'm like, you don't know anything about spiritual warfare. You don't, you, you don't even know what he's talking about. You know, and it was like, and I, it was like three o'clock in the morning and I'm laying in bed and I start, and I like, I told my sister, I said, she was visiting from Oakland and I said, I just started laughing at the enemy. I said, oh no, you're not, you don't have that advantage over me. And I think once we recognize it, then we can like, you know, pull ourselves up, buckle up. And then you start, then if, then the word for me, the word. It's like, you know, no weapon formed against me. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's once you realize, because it's, like you said, it doesn't align with God's thinking. It doesn't align. For the Holy Spirit would never say, oh, Michelle, you don't know anything about warfare. 
oh, Michelle, you don't know what you're talking about. That's not, you know that's not God. And for me, personally, once the light comes on, it's like, okay, let me get my word. Let me, if I can't do anything else, I plead the blood of Jesus over my mind, over my heart, over my thoughts. You know, and so that, that's a course of action that you can take immediately. If you can't think of a scripture you don't want to do, get the blood of Jesus because that, and, and then no, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess at the name of Jesus. Call on the name of Jesus. And that's something we can even teach our two and three and four-year-old children that Jesus, Jesus, plead the blood of Jesus. And they'll know the blood of Jesus is against you. So that's where I go when I recognize and realize that the enemy is attacking my mind and any other parts that he might try to attack. I agree with everything said. It, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and especially the word. Yeah. You know, the word comes in seed form. And so I, I, re, I remind myself you know, that I might be feeling some kind of way, but, you know, I've, I've sown, you know, and God's faithful. You know, he says that he watches over the word to fulfill it. And in its due season, it's going to reap a harvest. So what I try not to do is go to the garden, so to speak, to the area that I've sown and start speaking the opposite. You know, so if I feel some kind of way, uh, especially in the morning, if I wake up and uh, I'm anxious, uh, which ha has happened um, quite a bit with me, a, a lot because of attacks on loved ones, deaths in the family, um, our pets dying, and, and, and knowing that it was an attack, my wife and I both knowing, and that, that really affected us. And so when the phone rings, you know, and in the middle of the night, and your heart leaps, right? Reminding myself, John 14, Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. And that word troubled means to flutter. So what is my heart doing? It's fluttering in that moment when I'm worried that, oh no, so I, somebody's, somebody's in trouble, somebody's had something bad happen. Um, but the, my, my source is, and doing my best to, keep going is John 15 and the letters of John and just everything about love. And you're going to hear that a lot from me um, relative to these questions is I remind myself, if you go to John 15 and you read through John 15, I'm the vine and you are the branches. He, Jesus says 10 times in John 15, abide in me, abide in me and abide in my love. As the father has loved me, I love you. So with the same intensity that, that the father loves Jesus, I say it. Jesus, you love me in the same, with the same intensity and in the same way that God the Father loved you. And I'm going to abide in your love. I'm not going to turn from you in this moment and from your love to a distraction, you know, flip my phone on and try to appease my mind somehow. I'm going to press into you, Lord, because you're my refuge. You're my shield. You're my strength. You're my God in whom I trust. And I just repeat those scriptures knowing that each and every time that that word goes forth, it's going to fulfill its intended yes. purpose. God our Father in Isaiah 55 promises it's not going to return empty or void. It's going to accomplish what it's sent to do. And then I remind myself, I'm gonna tr I got to trust. 
I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm going to entrust you. You've given me evidence. You've given me proof. So I can trust and my faith is increased. So I go to his love and I go to the word. I love these responses. Yeah, similar to how Michelle was even talking about last night, right? Like, you don't know anything about spiritual warfare, you know? These are some of the, like, mid-grade kind of attacks that come in, like, making you kind of doubt your abilities, and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing in this area of my work or this relation. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, that kind of confusion or, like, a swirliness kind of comes in, that discouragement comes in. I mean, it's, it's typical, right? And I, I, I think about sometimes when I'm just going about my day and I start feeling that, that funky, you know, you're just feeling off. You feel that kind of like disconnected. You're like, I don't, I don't feel interested in connecting to the Lord right now. I don't feel interested in being, you know, just, you're just a little cranky, disconnected. You know what I'm talking about, right? And if we can stop and actually identify that that potentially could be an attack or just like force yourself, like Holy Spirit, what's going on right now? Just start asking the question train. He's so good at, at the question train. Holy Spirit, what's going on right now? He might show you something. What does that mean? What's the root of that? Keep going, asking questions to get to the root of what's going on so that you can potentially do something about it right then and there. You don't have to live in that funk till you move on to the next day. You, you can do something about it. Now, if that funk doesn't lift, if you're going to the word, you're praying out, you're worshiping, you're taking communion, you're doing all the things that you know to do, phone a friend. Phone a friend. Oh my gosh, community, community. Like, I've got to reiterate that. Like, we, when you're in the funk, what you want to do is kind of cave away, don't you? And you're like, oh, I just feel funky. I don't really want to call someone. I don't really want to, you know, hang out with that person. And I'm like... I need to call Joshua because Joshua has a lot of faith. And I'm going to be like, hey, I feel so off. Can you pray with me? Can you pray for me? And we take a few minutes and go after something and often see an immediate shift. You know, like why do, why do we feel like we need to just simmer in and stew in the heaviness of it, right? I, I would just add, I, so just never do anything alone. If you were a Christian, do not think alone. Think with the Holy Spirit. And then after you have the thought, call the body and verbally process what you heard in the Spirit. And you are fortified within and without. Galatians 6, That's right. That's bear right. one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Isn't that all we want to do? The answer should be yes. I just have... Yes. Also, isolation is a tactic of the enemy to make us so isolated. If you think about the garden, Eve was alone, you know, and, and he started, the enemy started planting these seeds in it. So isolation, don't isolate. Like, again, call somebody, reach out to somebody. We are not alone. Amen. Yeah, the, with the brain fog and, and the swirling and the heaviness and whatnot, um, you know, Tommy last week delivered an excellent uh, teaching on worship, you know, so entering through the gates with praise and thanksgiving and worship. Um, and then I think the obvious inclusion is, is praying in tongues and uh, which, you know, I, I've experienced and I'm sure many have has helped more than, than anything else, which is why Paul says, you know, I, I pray in tongues more than all y'all. That's right. Build yourself up. <laughs> yeah. Build yourself up. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Encourage yourself in the Lord. That's right. Good. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, what are some ways? Uh, what are some ways people tend to make themselves susceptible to attacks? We do not have a time for a comprehensive list. Yeah. <laughs> but probably everything. Everything. Yeah. I, I probably, I mean, you know, kind of probably the very basic answer is sin, disobedience, not doing what God tells us to do. You know, that's probably not following the Holy Spirit, not listening to the Holy Spirit. Those are probably like some of the basics. Yeah. yeah. Getting your gaze off of Jesus, right? So those who remain fixed and stayed upon him shall have perfect peace. And so um, it's really difficult to sin when you're focused on him, right? So... Now, that being said, that Paul tells us, don't be ignorant of the enemy's devices, of his schemes. And so we're going to learn, you know, and sometimes we learn the hard way. And so it's in those times when you do learn the hard way that you again remind yourself, I'm just going to run my back to you, Lord, because in no way is he going to turn us away, no matter what the no matter what the bump in the road was that we hit, right? But if we know where a pothole is, or if we know where a billboard is, or if we know where a pop-up is on the phone, you know, that has enticed us in some way um, to dive headlong into something, you know, that is, that is a compulsion, then we have the power over that uh, to simply say no and, again, direct our, our attention and fix our gaze on him. Yeah, I would, I would say that, remember, I just think when Jesus says, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these things will be added unto you, he's not saying, do this and then I'll give you a cookie. He's saying, these not seeking the kingdom, peace, joy, and righteousness, and then reiterating righteousness, doing what is right, not sinning. By, by not doing that, you make yourself vulnerable to all manner of attack. So just try not to and seek me, seek me. And as he's just, truly, as Bill said, that doesn't mean that if you mess up, he's going to withhold. Oh, no. He, but you learn. You get better. You get stronger. He wants you to go from baby to man or woman. He wants you to get stronger. And I, I just think sin is really, I know we said it as a joke, but it really, it, I just can't say it enough. It is sin. It is sin. It is sin. It is serious. And when... When I just last thing I'll say is remember when um, the the blind mute uh, deaf gentleman and the in the in the Bible and uh, uh, and the the, the uh, yeah the apostle the disciples said you know who sinned him or his parents okay Jesus said neither rather this is for the glory of God to be revealed so. Just I guess I guess I want to get that in there. Like, Listen, there are things, there are afflictions, but God wants to reveal His glory. Jesus basically, sweetly said, on the in a way, stop trying to do a blame game and join the accuser. Right. So anyway, I, I'll stop there. Tommy, will you repeat the question? Yeah, absolutely. Um, let me go back here. Ways that uh, people tend to be susceptible to attack. Is this, is this the movies and the music one that you sent in the list? You're welcome to add that. Okay. So, um, yeah, thought about this one. If, if that's um, applicable, which it, I think it is. So, 
we're created to be fascinated. God's created us to be fascinated. We want to, we want to be entertained. Um, so the, you know, the, the age we live in, the area we live in right now, it's at our fingertips. Um, and this is for, for me, and in my opinion, from experience as well as my opinion, this is where it gets to be um, about intimacy with the Lord. Because with music and movies, there are a lot of, there's a lot of content that we would label as okay. And there's a lot of content that we would say, I'm not going to be religious. You know, I'm going to go ahead and take this in. I'm going to listen and I'm going to view. You know, but God's word says to guard above everything else your heart. Because from your heart flow life-giving waters. And so guarding the eye gate and the ear gate are extremely important because it's what you take in that's going to be released, that's going to come out. Uh, Personal experience for us is I was ignorant to music. And, uh, and when it, you know, as a, as a believer, um, listened to just about everything, unless it was, there, you know, some brazen stuff, put it aside. But um, in the gray area, I was listening to it. And we had strife and oppression in our home that was tangible. And this was after, you know, 15 years of listening to the, the, the content that I was and the type of music that I was listening to. My wife had a dream, Jen had a dream, and in the dream, a demon showed up in the house. And she told it to go, and it, it turned to her and said, I don't have to, I was invited. And she said, by who? <laughs> by your husband, because of the music he's listening to. And in the dream, she knew that it was a psychic spirit and, and so what I learned from that is I was getting, when I would listen to music, there, there was a false energy and anointing on that music for me. And I'd go to the gym, uh, I'd, whatever it was I was doing, and I liked the feeling of that, of that kick by listening to the music. Uh, but I would also get thoughts, and, uh, and most of them dark. But I was blind to it until, you know, the Lord opened my eyes through the help of my wife. So that really ties into what Josh is saying and and Tommy as well. Call a friend. Make sure that you have somebody that you're accountable to, if not more than one person. Um, And then test every spirit by God's word. Can I? I want to hear what you have to say, Joshua. But some of us remember in middle school at the Baptist church where they'd have you come forward with all of your CDs and you would, you would crack in half your M&M CD and put it in the barrel. Just wanted to bring that to memory. Uh, go ahead, Joshua. Yeah, I love everything Bill said. So uh, I, love, I love movies so much, and I am trying to watch every movie ever made. I am. So uh, that said, I... I uh, fell in love with movies at the age of five. It was the same year I met Jesus. I fell in love with Jesus. And so I've never known what... I, I just was... I've, I don't know how to put it. I don't know how to watch something without watching it with him. But it's, I've come to find a lot of people don't know how to do that. 
And that's, it's just what we've been talking about, take every thought captive. Not, do not think alone. You, how do you pray without ceasing? I said this at the last panel. Re- realize God hears your thoughts. So every thought can be a prayer. Just start thinking with him. Do not make it a habit and just keep at it. But I always pray before I watch something. God, should I watch this? Now, it's usually, I, don't even, I barely have to say anything, uh, but because, you know, usually I just, I just want to watch a Marx Brothers movie or something like that. But I sometimes, you know, it's like something I know is dark, and I go, Lord, should I watch this? And he has told me no. Right. But I've also had times later on where he's like, okay, now you should watch that. So why? Well, that's partly my assignment, mm-hmm. yeah. right? That's not everyone's assignment. Why do the arts exist? I believe because it affords us a perspective outside of ourselves. And it is a safe place for us to practice empathy. But empathy in a simulation, a simulacra of the world, someone else's story. And in that, we can see either they are presenting the truth or a lie. We can, good art, of which pornography is not because no one's ever showed up with a pizza and done what happens there. That is a lie. That is bad art. Never watch it. Give it no, give it no quarter in your life. But truth, true art, a person, A person, a person will present, if someone's trying to write the truth, they may say, hey, this is what I experienced. And this is where I think when you hear your truth, we, we have, I have sympathy for that because I go, I believe you believe that. I just think it's your, not truth, take truth out. It's your opinion. It's your experience. I totally believe you. The phenomena you are describing may not be the words you're using, but I believe a thing happened to you and you are trying to tell me what you think it is. Right, And so when we watch a good movie that even though it may be the Antichrist film, we can see Christ in it because you can't have Antichrist without Christ. It's either headed towards him or headed away from him. But it is a safe spot to watch. And then when, and I can't tell you how many times I've been in public and because of the arts, I can connect to someone whose experience I've not lived personally, but I have lived empathetically through the arts. Right? And so, I, anyway, so I, and, and then the last thing I, I want to say, and I know it's there. Come on, where is it? It's somewhere. It'll come back. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I just think that, uh, what was it? It's gone. Maybe that's enough. I remember what I was going to say. Oh, that's good. That's why God said it tells us. <laughs> and actually, I think it's even better now. So thank you, Holy Spirit. Um, we have the mind of Christ. The word says we have the mind of Christ and we hold his thoughts, feelings, and purposes in our heart. And so when we, (laughs) see, see, but also with that, and what you were talking about music is the enemy is subtle and he seduces and he draws us in. And you know that image that we saw growing up of the devil with the pitchfork and the ugly face, believe me, if that was what the devil looked like, you would run. But the tendency is him to draw it into something that's attractive, something that you may have a desire for, something that you may long for, something you haven't seen, but because it's appealing to the eye or the senses. So we need to be aware of that. And, and, and even for our children as parents, our soon-to-be parents in this body, is that aware of the seduction that the enemy can pull into your children as well. And so, so you know, if you're plant, when you're planning your family, just be aware because 
there will be visitations if you're not aware of the enemy coming in, talking to your children, telling them to run and hide and play. But we, you know, that's a part of it. It's the seducing spirits of the enemy. And so with music and film and art, magazines and reading, all those things. So just be aware and remember you have the mind of Christ. So that's where I wanted to tie what Bill said. That's what I was, so... What, so, in other words, when I watch them, the other thing I just want to say about watching movies or watching art or anything is why are you watching it and what is the fix you're getting? Are you, are you feeling, is, are you connecting with a demonic entity and you're getting an, an ersatz spiritual experience that is a counterfeit? It is not God. And, and I, this is the last thing and I will be quiet. So, Tommy uh, said a wonderful, I love this analogy, it's so good, how do uh, people who find counterfeit bills get good at their job. They spend years and years studying the real thing. And I love that. So, so yes to that, amen to that. But why do they study the real thing? Why should you read your Bible more than you watch movies or read art? Why? To go out into the world and find counterfeit. So that's what I'm talking about. I'm saying you study the real thing so that you can then maybe watch art and then see the lie, see the counterfeit because you've studied the real thing and that gives you a safe place to go, okay, that started to seduce me. That actually was a very convincing argument that contradicts the word. I need to take time to me. So then when you actually encounter an actual living human being who has real experience, you are prepared empathetically to know why they believe what they believe and come alongside them, right? Because there's this, there's this verse in Proverbs, do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you be, make him wise in his own eyes. But then it seems to contradict itself. Rather, answer a fool according to his folly. And there, okay, the Hebrew makes it very clear. Essentially, do not come alongside and say, you're wrong, here's the truth, because the fool is believing folly, and they will not understand the truth you're saying, and they will think, well, this guy doesn't even get what I'm talking about. I am so wise, and he's an idiot. Whereas if you can come alongside him and say, hey, I understand your folly, but not say that, obviously. You go, so you believe this, and they hear you hear them. And because of that, you believe this. Yeah, doesn't that make sense? I can see that. But then you get to ask questions with the Holy Spirit inspiring you. You get to quote the Bible. You get to bring in the, the real thing, not the counterfeit, into the conversation. To um, perhaps help when you leave here, you know, to... <laughs> To put an exclamation point, if possible, on everything Josh just said, um, there's, a, uh, there's a teaching that you can look up. Um, it's, called, it's from John Piper. And uh, the Lord spoke to me one morning, clearly. He said, what you behold, you become. Right? And so I, I Googled it, and it took me to this sermon from, by John Piper. And he... he he delivered a sermon around what you would expect, then without a veiled face, meaning Jesus' face is not veiled. Without a veiled face, we see him. We see his glory as if in a mirror, and then we are transformed into his image and likeness. John Piper found an excerpt from Darwin's autobiography, and Darwin wrote that he actually devolved into something. So relative to creativity, the gist of it is, is that Darwin said, 
where I used to love the reading, you know, of Shakespeare, where I used to love, now one verse nauseates me, where I used to sit at the, at the water's edge and just feel the, the surge of the waves coming in and listen to the crashing of them on the, on the shore. I get nothing from nature anymore. Somehow in exercising my mind and beholding the things that I have for so many years, I've turned myself, my, the creative side of my brain, into what I've been looking at and studying. I'm nothing more than a, a tasteless, senseless, creativeless beetle. So it's John Piper, What You Behold, You Become. I really encourage you to, to check that out. I'm loving this. This is so good. I, I want to I end with some rapid-fire questions. We'll see if it's rapid. Some, some, fi- some slow-burn-fire questions. Um, okay, so the first one I want to ask is, it seems to us, if you've been around, that tarot cards, Ouija boards, seances, psychics, Eastern religious practices... Clearly, they impact us. That's opening the door of the occult in your life. Speaking of counterfeit, those are counterfeit ways that they're connecting to um, evil spirits to find out information. And we need to be connecting to the authentic, going to the throne directly through our communication with God, right? I think those are very clear, so I don't want to touch on those too much. But how about drugs? In the city of Los Angeles, it's everywhere. You know, it's, it's in front of your face at every party. Friends are going off on weekends to do shrooms or ayahuasca. There's, I feel like there's a new one that I'm learning every day. So, um, Joshua, we've talked about this a lot. I would love to um, hear your take on pharmacia and, and a bit of a, a response to those individuals that are, you know, sometimes they're like, I'm seeking freedom. I'm seeking God through my experiences. What do you have to say to those people? Uh, you're not. Uh, I, now, I, believe, I know that there are people that have been high, and that's how they got saved. Do not mistake the grace and mercy of the Lord to justify your sin. Absolutely. He showed up like he did for all of us when we were broken and yet sinners. You do not need anything but him and he and i this is i i okay yeah wasn't yeah i'll say this so (laughs) see how it goes uh no you're gonna love this because this is this uh this kind of throws you uh you're a part of this narrative (laughs) so uh i was a teetotaler until the age of 27 i'm sorry a what a teetotaler it means one who abstains from imbibing alcohol. I was that. So uh, I fell in love with Jesus at the age of five. Uh, I was not uh, puritanical, though, really. Uh, I, like, I, you know, my jokes can often not be family-friendly. And, um, and I remember, like, being grieved as a, as a boy and going, you know, because I was, I was reading the Word, I was in junior high, and I was like, do not let any, any foul speech... You know, and I go, I go, Lord, you know, I was really, like, it really bothered me for a while. I was like, Lord, what do I do? What do I do about that? And God said, Joshua, remember how grieved you are in the locker room, the way the other guys talk about the girls and the jokes they make? And I said, yeah. And he said, your jokes may involve the same anatomy, but they are of a different spirit. 
you are grieved because that is foul speech. It is the spirit of the thing. And so I, but I really love God and I really want to be good. I want to love him and serve him. And so I really, but I also, my rebellion was in doing what was right. I liked being, I liked not, like if everyone's going to drink, you know, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that first off. But also, uh, this is my rebellion. I guess this is how I'm rebelling. I'm rebelling against my peers. And so I would go out with people, and I would just be praying because I'd be so sad. And then all of a sudden, I would feel real good. And I would just kind of look out the window just thinking about God's uncreated. He's uncreated. I would think about, like, what happened on the cross what did you do? You descended into Hades. What did you do? I would think about these things and I would just feel, and I would think, I would feel so good. And then I would stare out the window and try and hide what was happening because I, it basically felt like what I had understood drunkenness to feel like. And I truly thought I was going to go insane later in life and doubted. Maybe I'm religious because I have uh, a de- deteriorating mental capacity. And so it would be years later when God would bring Thomas Martinson into my life and he would teach me about a thing known as drunkenness in the spirit. I had no idea what he was talking about. He took me to a conference, which we won't talk about, but we went to this, we can, but it just to get, just to streamline. And there, the whole time, like, Tommy's, these people are splayed out, the people are just reading the gospel, talking about Jesus. I am feeling nothing, but I believe everything is happening, but I'm like, what is this? And then at one point, through like day three, a guy got up and just started reading the, the uh, nativity story. And I suddenly had that thing happen that had happened to me in school when I was younger, and I went, Oh, and I went, is this what you're talking about? This used to happen to me all the time. I've always believed I would go insane someday. So anyway, so there is a high that is available to you that is not counterfeit, and it's in the Word. It's in the Holy Spirit. It is in... Do not be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. There it is. So... That, that, I just want to say that. and yeah. Ain't no high like the most high. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but what I want you to get at is actually answering the question. I thought I did. Pharmakia. Yeah, it's witchcraft. It's witchcraft. It's witchcraft, yeah. Tell, tell us two sentences. Okay, two sentences. Yeah, I, I believe that you're... I believe that your mind is uh, actually connected to the spiritual realm, and I think that you allow things in uh, to you, and you can take things out. And I think by taking pharmakia, just as Bill listening to the music permitted entry, I think you are inviting things in that you do not want in. And, and yeah, that's, I mean, I could go on and on, but that's two sentences. I don't have anything to add to that, but because really that's, that's, the same thing is when you ask that question it's the same thing but I do want to say something in regards to we sung this morning give me Jesus we don't need anything else and and so 
if we are talking seriously or believe what we're singing, give me Jesus, we don't need anything else. I'm going to take you to uh, John 4, where in the 13th chapter, the woman at the well, where he says, if you drink from Jacob's well, you will be thirsty again. But if anyone drinks from the living water, I will give them. The, the living water I give them, they will never be thirsty again. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, flooding you with endless life. That's a natural high. That's, I mean, I can't even follow that up because that's what he's talking about. When you have Jesus, you don't need anything else. When you say, give me Jesus, and we really say it, then we're filled with endless life. We have liberty. We have freedom. It's flooding. It's running over. We have joy. So give me Jesus. Give me that new wine. Let me overflow. Let it be filled up with me. And I agree with what everything else Joshua said. Yeah, I was not a teetotaler. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I tended to total myself. Um, and many times it was at the midnight screening of The Song Remains the Same, the Same, the Same, the Same by Led Zeppelin. Um, you know, I say that uh, humorously, but in retrospect, um, I clearly realize, you know, that again, going for, going after, um, fat, you know, whether it's a movie or movies combined with drugs and alcohol, um, like Rocky Horror Picture Show, you know, like Song Remains the Same, is, is the combination that the enemy wants to serve up. And, and it's sin's fun for a season, right? But when the, when the darkness starts to settle in, and especially as an unbeliever, when you don't know what's going on, right? Um, you, you, you're then in the enemy's grasp in a way that we pray no one ever is apprehended. And it's because without us, the ministering flames of fire showing up to shed some light on why they're feeling so heavy and why they feel this shroud of darkness around them to explain that you've opened a door. You've invited these demons in both through the use of drugs, alcohol, and the mixture of that with, with movies, with, with music, right? So it's everything that happened um, in the peace movement. You know, it's a population of people coming out of the Vietnam War extremely traumatized, not just the soldiers who were coming home with PTSD, right? But all of the people who understood what was going on and also all those who were coming out of broken families. And then all of a sudden, you know, something shows up that is the counterfeit of an ecstatic state that God wants us to feel, right? And he does to what Josh and what Tommy are sharing, um, Michelle as well, he wants us to feel that high. And, and feel what it's like to enter into an ecstatic state. So the enemy, knowing that, is going to counterfeit it. So it's not just acid anymore. It's not just cocaine. You've got hallucinogenics like ayahuasca, you know, um, and, and ecstasy, MDMH. And those things, um, there's no question for me you know, and I'm sure for most that the word sorcery in the Bible to what Tommy's been saying means pharmakia, right? It's pharmakia. And so black magic is used to, 
two great concoctions going all the way back. You know, there's evidence of it in history. As, they, as archaeological excavations are done, they see how these concoctions were created um, in every civilization to inspire some kind of a spiritual experience. Why? Because man is constantly reaching for God. Right? And, and so the grace might be there, as Josh said. Um, for those of you who saw, you know, the uh, uh, Lonnie Frisbee movie or the um, uh, Jesus Culture movie, um, Lonnie experienced God while on acid. And I know people who experienced Jesus while smoking dope. But when the truth was shined, when they saw the light to, you know, what was going on and departed from it quickly, repented quickly, God quickly then rewarded them with truth and with peace to where they, know, they knew that they knew, right? That, that there was something dark, something heavy, something evil about what I had given myself over to. And just want to finish by saying about ayahuasca right now because it's, it seems to be on a... Uh, accelerated, there's an acceleration to the use of ayahuasca, um, especially among the elites, right? There's this promise of, of wealth and riches, wealth, fame, and power, but what does it profit a person if they lose their soul, right? And so if, if anyone has presented you with the, with the lie, or if you know anyone who, you know, whether it's, it's ayahuasca or other drugs, but for whatever reason, I feel it's important, you know, to just say this, that if, if you or if someone you know is being enticed to, to go down to Latin America, you know, to go through a ayahuasca ceremony with a shaman, do everything you can to discourage that person from participating in that type of a ceremony because it is straight evil. And people might feel, feel free for a moment, but that's, that's the angel of light, the, 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 the false move of the, the kingdom of darkness which is trying to give a, a, a little alleviation for a moment, but they're getting riddled with darkness. They're opening the doors in their lives for the enemy to, to wreak havoc in their lives. And I, I've seen it time and time again with my friends that, you know, like, oh, we're taking LSD to encounter God or whatever it is. Watch the story of their life. It ends in destruction. It's, it's not bringing them closer to God. You're trying to find an excuse to continue sinning. So we, we gotta be, be on guard in this city and bring, bring a kingdom solution. Um, real, final also, question. Jesus is free. He's free. That's right. That's and, right. And he's not toxic. Not toxic. That's right. Um, f- final question real quick um, that individuals have had are like, what are ghosts? What are, what's happening there with ghosts? Uh, quick answer is they're demons. Uh, so they're, they're showing up, manifesting themselves with, with cool, cool, coolness to the touch sometimes, with making sounds. Um, I have friends that have had pictures knocked off of, um, knocked off of the walls. Um, things shaking, light bulbs on and off. These are kind of common occurrences. Um, those are not ghosts. Those are demonic presences. Can I say something about the Witch of Endor? Just briefly. Okay, so the necromancer of Endor. A lot of people use that in Second Samuel to say, oh, look, ghosts, ghosts, that was Samuel. No, if you read it, the author takes great pains to show this is not Samuel because everything the spirit prophesied does not happen. Okay, so... But it does, it's very important to see it looked like Samuel. Yeah. 
So if you see something that looks like a dead loved one, it's not your dead loved one. And that should kick, I almost used a bad word, make you furious. They are wearing your grandma's body as a costume. You should be angry. And they are trying to get trick you. You know how many people are into ghosts and they go, I saw my dad. And then every time something good happens, they attribute it to their dad as if they're, no, God is the one taking care of you or the devil is doing things to try and win you over to seduce you into ancestral worship essentially is what it leads to. And the only ghost in the Bible. Oh, that's right. Well, yes. It's the the Holy Ghost. Ghost. That's right. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, no, I loved it. No, no, no absolutely. No, I did. I I'm going to cut you off because it's time to go. All right, let's, let's stand up. I would love for each of us to give a short, brief, and powerful prayer. Guys, get in receive mode. And um, I'm just going to start us off. Holy Spirit, you know what we need from, from this conversation I feel like it's getting like the, the wheels spinning. It's getting our hearts um, really like open and soft before you. And um, I thank you, God, that you're giving us solutions. You're giving us responses. You're giving us wisdom. And I thank you, God, for, um, I even see just like the book of Proverbs. I see him like pointing to it in a vision. Book of Proverbs. Maybe this month is a month that every single day you're reading a proverb and you're getting immense wisdom. It's like that, that beautiful like conviction of the Lord that stirs you. And so um, release that over you. But we thank you, God, that you are showing us how to step into the fullness if we were meant to be. We leave the old things behind and we move forward to what's ahead. We thank you, God, for your new mercies today, that if, even if we've entered into any of these things we talked about and we feel like, oh my gosh, maybe, maybe this is riddling my life, today is a day to get right. Today is a day to leave those things behind. Today is a, t- a day to, to cut off the things that are hindering, to, hindering us in Jesus' name.